It's the Australian Cycling Insider Podcast. I'm Jamie Finch-Penninger. Welcome to the podcast. We are talking today about the Herald Sun Tour and, of course, the Melbourne to Warrnambool. Um, basically what it says on the tin. So strap in and get get ready to hear some race insights and interviews with the people who were influential during the racing action. Uh, we'll jump into the Herald Sun Women's Tour first, which was won by Lucy Kennedy of Mitchell and Scott. The first stage of the women's race was a 95-kilometre stage from Shepparton uh, back to Shepparton, run after the first stage of the men's race. Yeah, it didn't look like much of a stage um, from the profile. It was just flat, essentially, out from Shepparton and around these sort of flat areas to the west of the of the regional town. And then it came back for the sprint finish, um, which the men had done earlier in the day. An interesting day, actually, as it turned out, because the pace got forced a number of times. I mean, there wasn't an early break, but after about 50 kilometres of um, sort of intermission to tax and a bit of jockeying between the teams, it was Tibco SVB that went to the front and really hammered it for a little bit. And uh, once Mitchell and Scott saw that they were creating some um, problems within the peloton, they really uh, went to the front and hammered it with a number of their riders and then they just uh, split that front group and actually eliminated a number of significant climbers uh, from the race into that second group. So like Sarah Gigante uh, from Tibco SVB um, was um, relegated to that second group and Justine Barrow of Rock Salt Attacker also missed out on the split. From there, it pushed out to about 40 seconds fairly quickly and um, at one point, with about 22 k's left, um, it was down to just 13 seconds as the chasers kind of got their act together. But then uh, Sarah Rory, making re- making her return from iliac artery surgery, that sort of debilitating condition which many cyclists face, um, she's making a comeback from that this year and should be better and stronger. And she showed that she's already um, getting getting good in the early stages of her preparation for this season. Went back to the front of the peloton and then just blew that gap out straight back over a half minute again. And by the finish, it was 47 seconds behind the front of the race by the finish. So those climbers in the second group um, were at a major disadvantage, which would come into play later in the tour. In the end, it was a sprint victory for Alena Sierra of Astana women's team. And has obviously been very good in Australia in the past, and she was so again here, won the sprint fairly comfortably in front of uh, Anna Trevisi of LA BTC Ljubljana and Ruby Roseman Gannon of um, the... Australian Cordamenta uh, national team. Uh, Sierra took the victory without too much, you know, pedigree in the hills. I mean, she's been good in classics races before, but not really um, had much chance of like long climbs, like the Giro Rosa, for instance. Um, it was expected that Mitchell and Scott were really in the driver's seat with defending champion Lucy Kennedy um, in a very good position going into the final stage on Falls Creek. Uh, so here with Sarah Roy. Um, Sarah, first day back racing, and um, you didn't shirk away from the responsibility straight to the front of the peloton for a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, I did find myself at the front there for a bit, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed being back, and um, Lucy did an amazing job as our leader today, and she, I got to be her bodyguard, so she was following me around the most of the day, and um, I really enjoyed it. I really, um, yeah, took on that responsibility. I think it's good that it was sort of like a no-pressure <laughs> responsibility. Uh, achievable goal for me my first race back so it was awesome. 
Uh, there was one point there where it looked like the second group on the road would come to um, you guys in the front, and I think it was about 13 seconds, and then you just went to the front, and all of a sudden it's 35 seconds again. Yeah, Alejandro, our DS, was on the radio saying that the, the group was um, come closing in on us, and it was definitely to our advantage to keep that, keep that um, the time gap because there were a few climbers back there. So, yeah, I just went straight to the front, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm here, and if I get dropped by doing this 1 or 2K effort to bring the time gaff out, that's okay, it'll be worth it, and the, the girls can, can look after Lucy to the finish. So, yeah, I just dug deep there for a little bit, but, I mean, it didn't hurt me too much, and, yeah, the gap came out, and, um, and then I stayed there till the end anyway, and it was really good. How about the sensations coming back first race? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the heat today, it's not out of control hot, but um, it's warm. And so there was a bit of cramping out there. Uh, and didn't I didn't nail my nutrition today. So I think it's ideal, actually, for me coming here, even on short notice, just to get into the swing of things with um, eating and drinking on the bike and while you have to think about what's going on in the race at the same time. Because, yeah, you do sort of lose that when you haven't raced in six months or whatever. So, um, yeah, sensations were good. Bit of cramping, but nothing I can't fix. So, yeah, looking forward to the next racing. Yeah, uh, and just on your call-up, I mean, it's not the call you want to get, obviously, with that horrible crash um, at Cadell's, but um, jump straight on the plane, then you're down here um, for the Herald Sun. Yeah, that's right. Um, we thought maybe our girls would be all right. Four of them ended up in hospital, and, um, yeah, Jess Allen uh, needed to go back in for a bit of plastic surgery, and she's totally fine, but it uh, just meant that it wasn't ideal for any of our girls to actually get back on the bike after that crash. So um, Tuesday morning, got the call after my training session and jumped on a midday flight, and, um, yeah, I was here to join the girls for a nice dinner last night at Mitchelton Wines, so I'm not um, too sad about being here at all. Yeah, the dinner's pretty good at Mitchelton Wines. <laughs> That's awesome. We get pretty spoiled, so it's a good race to get caught up to in the end. Okay, cheers. Thanks for your time, Sarah. Thank you. The second and final stage of the Lexus of Blackburn Herald Sun Tour women's race was held was supposed to be held uh, from the top of Falls Creek uh, back down to the bottom around Mount Beauty, a quick lap around there, and then go straight back up to the top of Falls Creek. But um, in the end, there was quite significant threat of rainstorms up the top of falls so they decided that a 30 kilometer descent probably wasn't the best way to start a stage in such conditions so they took all the riders down at the bottom of the climb and got them started just uh in mount beauty there it uh, led to some interesting um interesting racing there was a standing start which made it look like a bit of a cyclocross start and uh, there was an immediate breakaway from there and then there were a few sprints in quick success quick succession so it looked a bit more like a points race but anyway it was it was fun racing at the start and eventually Kate Perry of Specialized Women's Racing got away in one of her trademark solo moves and she got a bit of an advantage going into the climb there kept on climbing away up until the point where the pace of Mitchell and Scott eventually brought her back into the fold and then just about as they were midway up the Falls Creek climb I think they're about 16 kilometers to go Lucy Kennedy lost her last um, rider, which I think was Jessica Roberts in her first race. Uh, well, not her first race. She raced Race Talkie and Cadell Evans Women's, but uh, one of her early races for her new outfit. Uh, she was the last woman for Lucy on the climb there. And then from then on, it was just Lucy Kennedy against the rest of the climbers in the peloton. Essentially, Lucy tried a hell of a lot of attacks and, you know, gradually each attack would... Um, drop a few more riders, um, and then the pace would go off again. A few more would rejoin. 
but basically it was yeah Lucy Kennedy trying to um, make the race, race as tough as possible there because Elena Sierra, the uh, yellow jersey wearer from yes from the first um, stage and the sprint winner, uh, was sticking to Kennedy's wheel like an absolute limpet and uh, looked incredibly strong the whole way up the climb. Um, even when it got down to five or six riders after an only, another of Kennedy's attacks, it was still Sierra who looked uh, one of the strongest out there. Uh, she was always the first who responded to Kennedy's attacks and just stuck on her wheel, essentially. You can see Kennedy getting a bit frustrated at times. There was one stage with about one and a half kilometres to go where she almost came to a standstill on the side of the mountain because uh, nobody was prepared to go through and do any pacemaking. But anyway, as they got to the line finally, with about 400, 350 metres to go, something like that, um, and a prolonged surge from Kennedy, um, it was Sierra who cracked in a dramatic fashion as well. She ended up losing 30 seconds in those 350 metres to the line and yeah, lost uh, the race lead uh, to Kennedy. Um, it was quite critical, the time gaps from the previous day, actually, because the eventual stage winner was Ella Harris, who came back after uh, dropping off constantly all day and just managing to fight her way back onto the onto the back wheel. Anyway, she came into the final straight and you know found that power that she'd been lacking all day and, and went over the top and uh, took the win out ahead of uh, Sarah Gigante, who had also lost time yesterday. So if either of those two riders had been in the front group, they would have taken the overall win. But as it was, uh, Lucy Kennedy only had to finish in front of Sierra and Jamie Gunning, who was also there and uh, had been in the front group yesterday. So, yeah, it was a significant result for Kennedy, taking out a, a back-to-back um, performance at the uh, Lexus of Blackburn Herald Sun Women's Tour, defending her title from last year with Jamie Gunning, finishing second overall for Specialised Women's Racing, and Arlena Sierra finishing third overall from Astana Women's Racing. Uh, Ella Harris was very emotional after the finish. I mean, if you, have, if you haven't seen uh, her emotional chat with uh, Dave McKenzie um, immediately after the race finish, go, go and check that out on social media or on the highlights. It's well worth the watch. And, yeah, it was a more measured chat by the time she got around to talking to the print media. So, yeah, it, it won't be quite the same, but uh, I think it's still a worthwhile chat. So we'll lead off with Ella Harris. Uh, we'll also talk to uh, Lucy Kennedy and Jamie Gunning. How many times did you get dropped in that last climb there? Honestly, I lost count, I think, four or five times. Um, but each time they attacked, um, I knew that they'd slow up eventually. And I'm, I don't have too much of a punch on me. And today my legs weren't feeling that great after a mammoth effort to try and um, cut my losses yesterday after I got completely nailed in the crosswinds. Um, so I was feeling a little bit fatigued going into today. Um, so each time they attacked, I just kept my own tempo and gradually TT'd back to the bunch each time. Um, but yeah, it was. I definitely didn't expect to win. I thought I was going fifth at least, yeah. What did you think coming to that final 500 metres when Sierra's still there and Kennedy's still there and all that? Um, I knew that I only had, well it was, it was going to be one last effort, I knew that someone was going to go eventually and then I'd have to kick um, and that happened and then Sierra actually dropped the wheel so I thought oh there must be um, you know, four of us left in this now um, so I got back on the wheel after she dropped it and then I sensed that the others were slowing up and they didn't really have much more, um, much more to give. And I felt like it was the diesel coming through in me. I thought, oh, I can, I can ramp this up a little bit and hopefully uh, drive them off my wheel. And I sensed that they were breathing pretty heavily and I thought that probably was their max because Lucy was really driving them on the front. So I thought, just go around 300 metres to go and just 
not look back basically and each time the finish line with every pedal stroke I keep getting closer and closer and I just couldn't believe it that I actually crossed the line and no one had overtaken me. You did look like there was quite a sense of disbelief when you came over. Yeah. I mean beyond your expectations today? Yeah definitely. Um, it's a stage that I'd eyed up for, a, for quite a while when I saw the Sun Tour was, was on the calendar and I looked at the stages I thought oh yeah that stage looks like it suits me um, but after yesterday I wasn't, I wasn't too sure. But um, we had a similar sort of finish going into Stirling in um, TDU and I felt pretty strong on that sort of gradient there going into the finish so I thought yeah this, uh, this um, finishing straight here could suit me as well so it did. And what were the emotions when you crossed the line and you were sitting on the ground there? Um, just complete disbelief. It's been a goal of mine for the year to, to, to actually just win a race. I haven't really won a race before um, and to win my first professional race is just crazy. It's just like almost, it's not a weight off my shoulders, but it's just nice to tick that box. Um, and it's Waitangi Day as well, and to win on New Zealand's national day in the national kit's pretty cool. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. That uh, must, must be enormously satisfying. You know, it marked right all the way through, only four riders on the team. It must give you enormous satisfaction. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wouldn't say I was nervous going into it, but I was. Um, you know, yeah, definitely there was a bit of pressure on me. It's a kind of a really home race for us. We've been staying at the Mitchelton Winery and it was absolutely marked right. Yeah, going up there the whole way up, I couldn't move without everyone trying to follow me. So, uh, yeah, big relief to have it done, um, big satisfaction. There's a complicated finale there. I mean, uh, Elena Sierra sitting on your wheel pretty much every attack you did. She seemed to follow very easily up until that final um, 400 metres. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit tricky. It's a really long climb, but it's not a particularly difficult one at any point. There's no really steep ramps for me to attack on, so um, it's the kind of climb that people like Alenis, who are you know powerful riders, can still survive on. Um, so yeah, I just had to basically keep going and make it as hard as possible in those last couple kilometres. And there was a track stand almost at one point. <laughs> yeah, I was, it's getting a little bit frustrating, like not being able to move without no one wanting to work. I mean, and obviously, you know, that it was not their job to, but I was getting a little bit frustrated. I, I think if I unclipped, we might have all just unclipped there on the side of the road. <laughs> uh, but yeah it, yeah, it all turned out okay. And in the end, it turned out to be your, your team's work from yesterday that really um, secured you the overall victory because, you know, Ella Harris ended up taking the win up here. And if she hadn't been eliminated from GC, you would have, um, you know, you wouldn't be standing here in yellow. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually only, there was, I think, three or four left in that kind of last selection that were still in the same time for me. So it was really, the, those were the ones that I had to look out for. And when I saw that it was Sarah and Ella that were in front of me there at the finish, I kind of looked around. There was a gap back to everyone else. So I kind of knew I had the tour sewn up. Relatively late to the sport, I think it's fair to say. You feel like you're making up for some lost time? Yeah, finally sort of um, starting to get hold of all the, you know, more the technical side of things. Um, starting to feel a bit more comfortable in the bunch and um, like I was absolutely, I was super protected this tour. Like basically yesterday all I had to do was follow my teammates around and uh, just focus on that. But yeah, starting to come into my own a little bit after a couple of years in the, in the professional ranks. Jamie, um, I think it's fair to say that you've sought to new heights today with your on GC. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I'm a bit surprised, but I was really just focused on trying to get um, the young rider jersey so not letting any of the, the pure climbers get too far ahead and, yeah, um, surprisingly managed to slide into second place in GC while doing that. Um, you look fairly comfortable responding to the attacks. I imagine it wasn't as easy out on the uh, on the road, though. Uh, yeah, the people say I have a poker face, but yeah, it's purely a poker face. Like internally, I'm I'm 
borderline dying, dying a thousand deaths. Um, but yeah, it was really hard. Um, and Lucy has a serious motor and her attacks really, really hurt. But yeah, I managed just to hang on till those last few hundred metres. Uh, can you describe those last few hundred metres, what your, what your thoughts were at the time? I was I was kind of very much on my limit when they opened up the sprint and I, I wasn't distressed about losing a couple of seconds because I was quite aware of um, the, the GC as we were. So, yeah, it, it was it was all right. Stage one of the Jaco Herald Sun men's tour was a relatively easy day at one starting in Mitchell and Wines and then winding its way across the 117 kilometre course up to Shepparton. It was not a particularly decisive or <laughs> super interesting stage, uh, but the early breakaway uh, was established and uh, got out to maybe two and a half minutes before it was pegged and yeah at that stage you realised that it was going to be a bunch sprint and so it turned out to be with uh, Alberto Dainese taking out the win for Team Sunweb ahead of Caden Groves of Mitchell and Scott and Moreno Hoffland of EF Education First. Groves looked a bit far back in the positioning for that stage and the, despite finishing quite fast on the on the line it was Dainese who took the win and a very undemonstrative uh, Italian young Italian rider on the podium it was um, he's not the not the most uh, effusive of um, interviews so we won't include his here Ben Hill was in the breakaway and uh, got the most aggressive you'll be hearing plenty more of, of Ben um, throughout the tour uh, and also Caden Groves as well who was main protagonist for some of the later stages so we'll just jump straight on into stage two here stage two is expected to be one of the most decisive stages of the tour uh going uh from beechworth the very nice town of beechworth um in the upper regions of victoria and then going along a 117.6 kilometer jaunt um with the 30 kilometer finishing climb of falls creek expected to be the key feature of the course uh, the early breakaway started with uh, Luke Mudgeway of Black Spokes, Bentley Nyquist-Alden of Neurocontinental, Scott McGill and Cade Bickmore of Avolo Cycling, Genki Yamamoto of Keenan, and early attackers Angus Lyons and of Oliver's Real Food Racing and Ben Hill of Team Bridgeline, who formed the early days break. Um, it would be those two uh, riders of Lyons and Hill who proved the most aggressive on the day. Uh, Lyons would... Um, do an early, well, do an attack of his breakaway companions with on the run-in to the finishing climb and he got out to a decent advantage um, only for Ben Hill to bridge across to him um, and claim the second intermediate sprint after he'd already um, won the first first sprint out on, out on course. Made it clear that he was going for the intermediate sprint jersey um, on day one and backed it up with his second consecutive performance in the breakaway and garnered the maximum points for the day. Uh, the race proper began as the as the riders reached the climb of Falls Creek. It's uh, quite a variable climb, um, and you know takes about an hour um, to do. Angus Lyons reached it first, but he wasn't he wasn't uh, to last too far too long beyond that. As uh, Mitchell and Scott really went to the front and ramped things up for their main climber, Simon Yates, of course, the Grand Tour winner, uh, winner of the Vuelta back in 2018. Israel Startup Nation and Team Somewhere were also prominent in the early pace setting on the low slopes, and they thinned down the group to a neat, elite selection of about 20 riders uh, midway up the climb. 
from that point, a number of small surges start to go off the front of the main group with uh, Salvador Guardiola, Tora from Keenan Cycling, Lachlan Morton and Jay Vine all trying um, solo moves at various stages to go off the front of the race. Uh, Lockie Morton was in fact um, overhauled by Jay Vine during his move and... Um, went free with about eight kilometres to go, maybe a bit early for Jay, as you'll as you'll hear later. So Vine was just off the front there, and just at that point, uh, Simon Yates cracked and went off the back of the peloton, much to the well, chagrin of Mitchell and Scott and the surprise of everyone else who thought that Yates was you know a nailed-on winner of the stage. But with five and a half kilometres to go, that was Yates dropped. And Housen, uh, Damien Housen had to take on the leadership role um, just three years after he won the race back in 2017. Uh, Team Sunward had by this stage taken over the pacemaking and Jai Hindley attacked a number of times up to the summit and looked very accomplished doing so. He always looked like he was the one doing things easiest out on the, out on the road. Halson was able to respond to Henley's attack and they were joined by Nilsson Pallas and Seb Berwick of St George Continental Cycling with the young Queenslander, very much the surprise member of that group. Uh, Henley came into the final few hundred metres in the lead and tried to open out his sprint from about 300 metres out and that proved to be far too early but he you know, found a second wind and uh, came over the top again to claim the victory ahead of uh, Damien Housen and Seb Berwick there. I think Nielsen Palace finished about 15 seconds off in the in the finish there, and it was, yeah, and then bigger gaps to the rest of the, the climbers on stage, and it was very much a decisive uh, stage for the GC to establish a pecking order. We'll go to interviews with uh, Jai Hindley of Team Sunweb, uh, Jay Vine of Nero Continental, and Seb Berwick of St George Continental. You had the courage to say after stage one that you were here to win the whole thing, and you've taken a step towards it today, I guess. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> bit, bit lost for words, really. Like I, yeah, I really love this climb, and I came here second uh, last time I did it, so to get the win today is pretty special to me. And yeah, I have a uh, family who live in Mount Beauty, and they're here today, and it's super nice for them to to come watch and catch up with them and put on a good ride so yeah uh, I have an uncle and auntie and some cousins down there so, so yeah. what did you tell them you were going to do today what would take us through the tactics oh <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know I've, they uh yeah they know I love this climb and um yeah it's just it's just special to have them there watching when you realize Simon Yates has dropped yeah I mean I wasn't too sure I thought he was just uh, sitting back in the group and waiting to go and then I heard over the radio that he was dropping and yeah in the end it didn't really change our team plan I'd, I'd, the guys were always going to ride hard tempo towards the end there so we did that and yeah really uh, the guys broke the group up a lot and uh, yeah it was a fantastic job of the guys and can't thank them enough. What about the last 500 metres or so? How did it play out from your perspective? Ah, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> everyone was pretty gassed there at the end. Like, yeah, no one could really get away. And the the demo and uh, Seb, they were super strong and I couldn't shake them. And yeah, in the end, I actually hit out pretty early, probably a, like way too early, and then had to take a step back and get second wind and then really uh, just went for it with like 100 metres to go and came around the step and uh, yeah. 
team in 10 somewhere. Obviously, they put a lot of faith in you coming into this race. And oh, it's, yeah, it means a lot. Um, they also backed me going into Down Under, and I yeah, it wasn't meant to be there. And I think this race suits me a bit more. And uh, yeah, to come away with a win after the guys and the team putting the faith in me, yeah, it's super special to me. And it's really nice to be able to pay back the team for uh, their belief and all the guys doing the hard work today. So, job runs quite differently going forward now with that coloured jersey on. Do you look to defend and mark, or do you look to stick it to them and really ram it home when you can? Uh, yeah, I've, I think we'll see how it pans out. I think tomorrow's stage will actually be really interesting and could possibly be one of the hardest days of the tour. So, yeah, I, I think tomorrow's going to be an interesting one. And and then with Blur, I'm, I'm super, super interested to see how that's going to go and uh, really, really like the long climb. So pretty keen to race on it. Uh, these long climbs, I mean, similar to what you see in Europe, is that where you want to be going uh, next and doing well? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's always a different level over in Europe, and yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's taken a while to to slowly like step the level up, like over the past few years. Um, yeah, I mean, to get to get a win here today, like my first pro win, it's pretty nice. So just happy to get my hands in the air. Jay. Impressive, impressive ride out there today. Um, obviously, you've been building to this for quite, quite some time. Yeah, um, pretty much since Tropics, this was sort of on the cards of the team. And um, yeah, so ever since that's been been a really big goal, um, this stage and the Buller stage in two days' time. Um, <laughs> made a bit of a fool of myself by attacking uh, with 8Ks, 7Ks to go. And stayed away for I think about four minutes maybe, and then the uh, ten or twelve riders that were left in the pillow came charging past. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> you got up to Lachlan Morton, then it seems like you like, passed him immediately. Like, yeah, I'll attack him, roll him immediately. Yeah, well, he was he was um, he was struggling because he went he went like five k's before I did, um, and it was it wasn't quite seep um, in that. In that point, so Scott had three guys on the front at that point, and they, you got a really good sit in the bunch. Um, so I was waiting for a pinch, um, and we came around that um, that 270 degree turn to the right, and it pinched up. And I thought, oh, I've pretty much floated to the front. I might as well go off. Um, and I, I saw that the bunch was coming. They were like 50 meters behind me. So it's like, well, I've made the effort. I might as well keep going with it. And seems like throughout your last you know year and a half of racing you've exceeded um people's expectations for you have you exceeded them for yourself as well um yeah absolutely like three years ago well 2017 august was my first race and it was tour king valley um i did, could if you'd told me in three years time or two years time whatever it is that i'd be racing with simon yates and rob power and all those guys up this climb, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> and uh, for the rest of the race now, um, you must be sitting on a handy GC position at least. Um, I guess it's looking, it's working out a plan with Nero um, about how to maintain that and maybe even move up a tiny little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know what I'd be on GC, but top 10. Um, so yeah, now it's trying to recover, um, save as much energy tomorrow and 
go all in for Buller. Buller is probably harder than this one. So three parts, steep, flat sit-in section, and the final three Ks is a bit of a pinch toward the end. Um, so, you know, with... Um, I don't know who won the stage. I think it might have been Rob. Um, so Sunweb will be wanting to consolidate on that climb. So should be all together basically I think until those last three K's that's when anything really will happen like all the rest of us will be should be there till those last three K's and you, you formed a fairly successful cycling partnership with your uh, wife Brie um, how did, what does it mean to have the well, support and you know another fellow racer um, that, you, that you can talk to about this sort of stuff yeah yeah it's um, pretty pretty awesome um, she's uh she she's doing really well and um I feel a bit ripped off she got to race uh, with radios before me um race 4k she had radios in and i was like oh that's not fair <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's pretty cool it's something to do together um so she uh she gets she gets a lot of my handy downs um so she gets a lot of upgrades and i coach her and um yeah she's come on leaps and bounds um but yeah she's definitely the brains of the organization <laughs> okay thanks for having us Thanks, mate. Did you surprise yourself coming up here, or were you know something that no one else did? Yeah, I knew I was on pretty good form after nationals, coming second to uh, under 23 champs. But against the world tour blokes, you don't really fully know to actually uh, there in the last Ks. And tell us about those last Ks. It wasn't like you were a shrinking violet either, so you weren't scared to have a crack and really stick it to them. No, well, one point I thought, like I looked back and I saw there was a gap and there was only five of us. I'm like, geez, I'm feeling all right for only like five left. So I thought, like, if there's only five, they must be hitting or, yeah. So I just tried a couple of things and, yeah, you can't really be scared if you're there. Uh, was there a moment where you looked around and you realised uh, Grand Tour winner Simon Yates wasn't there but you still were? Yeah, I saw him in the early slopes, like, dropping back and looking around. I didn't know if it was, like, all tactical or anything. But, yeah, I was a bit surprised. But, you know, he's not on, obviously not on top form. And, yeah, us, you know, not... Uh, how would you say, like, top-tier riders, I guess, are peaking for these sort of races. So what does it mean for you, bigger picture? Oh, I'm just looking forward to getting the tour done and, you know, get, trying to get a good result on Buller. Hopefully it suits me a bit more, being a bit steeper and I'm a bit lighter. So we'll see how it goes, yeah. And did you know this climb or Buller already? Are you... uh, I've done this climb once in a training camp. That was, like, four, four years ago. So I was sort of um, aware of it, but not 100%. Would you be happy with by the end of the tour? This jersey, third overall. A podium would be amazing. First would be the dream. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty happy with where I am now. Uh, can we talk a bit to your cycling history? I mean, you came over. You've done a lot of riding in France um, in the past. Um, what has motivated you to come back to Australia with St. George? If you look at their track history with St. George, they've produced uh, two World Tour riders so far with Ben Dybul and Caden Graves coming through, and they just have a lot of good Asian. Racing, we obviously get to do Sun Tour, and they have a really good support system for us young riders. So I reckon it's a bit one of the best development teams in Australia for under 23 riders. On to stage three now, which was a 178 kilometres from Bright to Wangaratta, and as the longest stage in the tour, and the one which didn't suit a pure climber or a pure sprinter, it was clear from the start that things were going to be very aggressive in establishing the early breakaway. After about 50 kilometres of action, where Peloton went up to Wanga Gap, uh, down to Wanga Gap, and then um, up Rosewhite um, Gap as well, 
it was yeah it was a pretty intense uh, start to the stage and there were many many attacks with about half the peloton um, shot out the back during the racing and it was on for on for all money at the start as particularly the world tour teams um, to work out who was going to be allowed to go in that early break eventually it was james whelan of ef education first ben hill of team bridge lane carter turnbull of the quarter Menthe national team and inform of course normally uh, James Oram from Blackspoke, Guilam Bolvan from Israel Startup Nation, uh, Michael Rice from ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast, and the Evolo pair of Charles Etienne Cretien and Tyler Stites. Uh, and they broke three with about 45 kilometres raced in the stage. From there, they were, they were allowed a bit of the advantages, the peloton set up to take a nature break and stuff, but then it was just a hard slog into the line from there. Uh, James Whelan was fairly well up on GC. He was only just over a minute down on Jai Hindley's lead, so it was clear that Tamsun weren't going to be allowed, weren't going to be allowing the breakaway just to roll into the finish, and they'd be chasing it fairly hard, as they did through Rob Power, who did a appropriately a power of work um during the day he was really actually sweating up quite hard and you could see you can see um the effort he was putting in every time the peloton rolled past but it was no easier out in the breakaway uh, cooperation broke down in that move quite quickly ben hill was obviously looking for the sprint jersey and nobody else really had any points but coming up to the first sprint they still sprinted him for it and actually took the lead um, despite him um apparently asking around to work out if anyone else was going to sprint for it or not, and then he went to the front of the front of the group and rode it for the last kilometre into the into the intermediate. But yeah, still um, he was attacked by uh, Kurtian and James Oram to um, so he only got the minimum points on the line there of two points, which would prove to be all he would take from that day after the the breakaway broke up and. A few riders dropped back. Uh, Michael Rice, for instance, dropped back to the peloton. And the rest of the group continued along alone in the quite hot temperatures, like mid-30s, on those sort of deadish roads heading into Wangaratta. Ben Hill got very unlucky. I mean, he looked pretty buggered out there. And uh, he cramped dramatically with six kilometres remaining before the intermediate sprint, which uh, thwarted his ambitions of keeping the sprint jersey, um, which he'd earned the previous stage as he and Stites were dropped with just about 34 kilometres left to the finish. Uh, Team Sunweb um, had been keeping a fairly tight leash on the break all day, but as they got closer to Wangaratta, um, ARA Racing Sunshine Coast did quite a lot of work um, on the front of the peloton to bring that group back closer, and as the as the peloton went over Taminic Gap into Wangaratta, the sprint teams really came to the fore and dragged that break back in so it would cause no more trouble for the rest of the day and that sparked a few solo attacks so we saw mark o'brien of quarter national team go off the front as he was brought back in dylan mckenna of dylan of near continental went on the attack and then finally marcus cooley of team sapura all tried uh solo assaults off the front of the peloton i think uh cooley was uh, the last one caught uh, with about a kilometer to go and then the sprint teams just got into their argy bargy before the uh, final turn with 300 meters or so to go there was quite a lot of um, shoulder-to-shoulder action as they went into that corner uh, I think I saw Michael Freeberg give uh, Caden Groves a bit of a shoulder at one stage there but it was um, all fair stuff anyway and they went into the final um, corner and Moreno Hoffland was very much in the box seat with uh, EF de- delivering him well up front but Caden Groves was sight to behold coming from about five riders back and yeah, really dominating that final sprint to take a convincing victory with uh, 
Alberto Dainese of Team Sunweb in second and Mikhail Aram of Israel's Startup Nation in third. We'll have a talk to Michael Rice, who had a fairly active day in the, in the, in, both in the breakaway and then uh, sprinting to fifth at the end of the stage. Uh, here with Michael Rice of ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast. Uh, Michael, active day out there for you, let's say. Um, getting in the break early and then dropping back to Peloton, they're running fifth in the sprint. Yeah, that's right. It was, uh, you know, we went into it thinking it would be a tough stage and we had a mindset to really be in that breakaway early. I think the Peloton had different ideas over Twonga Gap and then the field was reduced and we were a little bit low on numbers, so... When that move went, we were represented, but we just didn't quite have the right combination. A couple riders there were a bit too high on, on GC, so we played the game for a bit, and then and then all the um, yeah the fun and games really started, and it was the right decision to come back to the peloton because I, I don't think anyone could see that breakaway surviving. So we all regrouped there at one point, and... Um, Put a couple of the boys, young Seb Barrett, his first Sun Tour, and and Ash McClay on the front there, and and that put us in a really good position to to bring that breakaway back. And over that last KOM, we was all together as one race, and came into Wangaratta, a big field sprint, and unfortunately we we're just good enough for fifth. But uh, you know we'll keep trying. Um, how did the break, you know, fall apart there? I saw there's some discussions, um, the intermediate sprint where Ben Hill got rolled. At- after, did he ask if he could um, be given that sprint? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of cohesion from the beginning. I think everyone hoped that it was going to be a long-distance break, and and once uh, once those GC riders were there, it was it was pretty obvious to everyone. I think Benny was was um, maybe you know there was some sort of gentleman's agreement there, but I I just said to him, "You have the points," and I'm not sure what what they discussed. Okay, and. Yeah, coming into that final there, um, up Tamanik's Gap, it was you know pretty hard. The riders getting spat out the back pretty quickly, and then the fast run into Wangaratta finish. And what was the thinking from the team? Well, yeah, we knew that um, it was just going to be short, hard climb, and from the top it was all downhill. So we really just wanted to be in a good position. We started at the front, and lucky to um, to get us all over the top. It was there was some splits everywhere, but it all came back together by the bottom of the descent, and then it was. Yeah, pretty controlled races all together. I think there were ones and twos trying for that weight dig, but that just kept the race smooth. And um, you know, the last last couple of k always get a bit dicey, but that's why we love it. And it looked like Michael Freeberg took you through the final corner fairly well in like third wheel or something like that. Um, you managed to get quite close to the World Tour sprint trains there. Yeah, Freeberg positioned me really well. I went into that corner on Caden Groves and Denise's wheel and thought I was well positioned and tried to hold their slipstream and um, yeah they were just a little bit quicker than me today but um, you know we'll yeah try keep trying to improve. Thanks for your time Michael. Thanks very much. The 106.6 kilometre stage from Mansfield to Mount Buller was set to be the final real shake-up for the GC contenders going into the um, processional well processional the flat final stage around uh, the Botanic Gardens there. 
It was a really tough tussle up the final climb of Mount Buller after the early break had gone away. Um, again, Ben Hill was in the break, <laughs> collecting up the sprint points, and this and today he was a bit more deliberate about it, going about it, um, with Aiden Tuvi helping to lead him out for each of the sprint points, and he just sprinted even though he had no competition at both of them. Come to the final climb, and Hill put in a bit of work for in repayment of TV's early work and got them to the base of the climb with about a three-minute gap going up the 16-kilometre slopes of Mount Buller. It was a torrid battle to the top with TV dropping off at about eight kilometres to go and leaving just the two World Tour riders there of Ben Perry of Israel Startup Nation and Jonas Rush of EF Education First. Both of them are very accomplished riders from the looks of things. I mean, we saw a lot of Roosh throughout the um, other summer races throughout the tour, and we saw Perry at the Melbourne Warnable. Um, you can check out articles actually on both of them at the Australian Cycling Insider site if you want to know a bit more about them. Uh, but regardless, they were working well together up the slopes of Mount Buller. Behind them in the peloton, there wasn't too much action. The wind on Mount Buller was kind of was kind of uh, restricting the racing a bit, at least until the final few kilometres when things would heat up. Uh, we did see attacks from first Dion Smith of Mitchell and Scott out of the peloton. Soon James Piccoli of Israel Startup Nation jumped out and tried an attack of his own, uh, bridging across to Smith and then going solo within the final three kilometres. Uh, Simon Yates uh, tried to bridge across to um, first Smith and then kind of working together with Smith a little bit and then jumping over to try and jump onto Piccoli's wheel, but he couldn't quite manage it. And as the peloton were ramping up the pace behind, it looked like um, Piccoli might have stood a chance of hanging on. That was how much gap he had. Um, but then with about a kilometre to go, uh, Sebastian Berwick launched an all-out attack from uh, what they call Devil's Corner there and appropriately named for the steep gradients that it has. And Berwick um, absolutely smashed it with his attack and went from a few riders back and... Absolutely blitzed the field there, with only uh, Jai Hinley and Jesse Ewart of Team Sapura initially able to follow the move. Uh, the attack blew past first Yates, then Piccoli, and uh, Ewart was dropped just as the pair were approaching the finish line there. Uh, Berwick continued his monster turn of pace uh, all the way up, and it was only just at the end that Hinley was able to come round him and take the stage win with a quite tired-looking salute um, on the on the finish line. Um, so it was uh, Hinley first with Berwick second, and Jay Vine actually managed to sneak by Jesse Ewart to grab third. They're uh, continuing a very good tour for the Canberran there. Uh, Damon Housen dropped away a bit on the stage to finish seventh on the day and dropped him from second to third on the general classification with Berwick moving up one spot. Uh, first of all, we'll talk to Sebastian Berwick for what was perhaps the... Uh, the best interview of the tour, I think you'll agree. Uh, anyway, it was a very open interview, and we talked to him about his um, success. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. You know, the team rode well all day, helped me get out of wind, keep me up the front, put me in perfect position at the climb, and, yeah, it's almost all there. I can just, yeah, that was just so good today for me, and just I just had to finish what I have to do, buddy, 30 minutes effort, and that's all. So, yeah, so happy for the team, for myself. It's just, yeah, it's a great result. Take us through that last kilometre where you did kick there on Hellcorn. Yeah, well, as I said before, you know, me and Dave Sanders, mm. we did this buddy last K and a half, four times after dinner yesterday in the car, and just he was hyping me up for the for that last last bit, and he's just like, if you got anything, just go now, mate. And I was just like, okay, you know, 
and a half, I thought, oh, maybe I should go. Let's do a big group, and then going around that bend with a K to go, I just thought, yeah, let's go. You know, if they can hold on good on them, if I win, oh, shit, that's that's great. But yes. What are your hopes? And, what are you, what are your hopes and dreams in this sport, and what do you think this sort of result might might do for those? Yeah, I, yeah, I really want to go world tour to the top of this top of cycling. You know, that's the dream. Be able to make a living out of the sport. It's just yeah, I couldn't think of anything better to do in my life really, to be honest. And hopefully this, you know, people see this guy shit. Maybe he's all, all right at riding bikes. You haven't had too many opportunities on like really long climbs uh, throughout your career, I'd say. I mean, you know, you're finally getting a chance to show yourself on these big hills. Yeah, there hasn't been many that I've done real big climbs. You know, last year I had a couple, uh, couple ones in Asia and whatnot. But just being having that extra year of tours and maturity is just yeah, proven to be so helpful for, for this tour. And I knew I told the guys at the end of last year if I if they just give me a bit of rest and. I'll come back for this first half of the season to be flying, get them some good results, and I've, yeah, proven that I can. And just happy to give back to the team for all the work they put into me, and you know, gave me the opportunities to do so. This is this is your life, but when did you first pick up a bike? Can you just go back in time for us a little bit? Yeah, well, Dad's, my grandfather, and my dad have always ridden. They, you know, won some Australian titles. My grandfather got like back when it was a handicap fastest time a couple times in grafting for also they've always been in cycling and yeah I was always you know it was always sort of I guess in my in my vision somewhere if I realized it or not but yeah probably started racing when I was 13 and yeah just didn't take it serious for a while I just rode around and whatnot and I thought under 17s I thought shit going all right one Australian title so I just thought yeah, let's go for it and see where it can take us. What do you do for a job at the moment? Are you studying or completely parked everything? Yeah, completely put everything on hold for cycling at the moment, you know. Just want to give it my 100% before, you know, to see if it works because I don't want to go be in a job for the rest of my life that I don't really like and have any regrets really. I just want to, yeah, give them all and see if it can get me somewhere and if not, well, you know, I've tried. So what were you doing? Well, I've only been out oh. When I was straight out of school, I went to Europe for a whole year with the AGTI development team, so didn't really have a chance to have a job then. And last year with St. George, yeah, best decision I made, I reckon, joining this team. It's such a good atmosphere, and the guys are just so positive, and yeah, I'm yeah, just so happy to be in this team and, you know, give them a result that they deserve. And yeah, we're going to be hyped tonight, and tomorrow night's going to be good. <laughs> Very good night. On to the fifth and final stage of the tour now, and it was a criterium slash camise around Melbourne Botanical Gardens there, and it was, yeah, it was an interesting race, actually. It got out to a fast start, and eventually the break formed with James Whelan, again going in the break, alongside Ben Hill, both of whom had populated the break for quite another stage. Uh, ben going for his fifth in a row. Jay Vine, interestingly, jumped into the break alongside Jesse Ewart. Jay Vine of Nero Continental and Jesse Ewart of Team Sapura with Brendan Davis of Alders Real Food Racing, Hiroshi Subaki of Kinan, Alexander Catterford of Israel Startup Nation and Michael Freeberg of ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast all making that early move. It was interesting with Vine and Ewart in there in particular as both of them were tied for fifth place on time going into the stage with Ewart 
14 places ahead on the uh, stage positions countback. So, yeah, Vine knew he either needed to make it up on uh, bonus seconds to go ahead, jump ahead of Ewart or finish significantly ahead of him on the final sprint of the line. So, yeah, clearly those two were going to battle it out and they did th- they did throughout the stage. Hill was taking no chances with the sprint jersey. He essentially had it in the bag as long as he managed to secure some points on the intermediate sprints with a number of the sprinters who were likely to take out the sprint stage victory um, just 10 points behind him uh, going into the stage so Hill knew he, knew he had to do something at least on the intermediate sprints which he did he jumped out of the group and took maximum points at the first sprint point and then dropped back to the peloton behind him though uh, Vine managed to out sprint Ewart for second at that intermediate and moved himself into fifth overall thereby putting the pressure on Ewart to try and come back on the uh, Canberra in there, um, either either by securing some time on the ne- on the second intermediate speed of the day, or by gapping him coming into the finish. So, essentially, what happened there was you uh, wasn't quite able to take any more time on Vine, with Vine launching kind of a longish sp- sprint to take out the second intermediate point and then yeah, Vine was actually the last guy attacking as well within that group and. Uh, it was funny, after the stage, a few of the Nero boys were saying, um, I hoped you were managing to slip back in there when he did come back because they thought he'd um, cooked himself a bit um, by attacking so late into the stage. Anyway, Vine was caught on the final lap and it turned out to be a sprint finish as it has been on the only two occasions that the race has taken place there. And it was Caden Groves of Michelin Scott who took it out from his teammate, Dylan Smith, who was also second last time. They raced here as well, actually, with Moreno Hoffland in third for EF Education first. We'll talk to the stage winner, Caden Groves of Mitchell and Scott, Ben Hill of Team Bridgelane, who won the sprint jersey, and Jai Hindley, the overall winner for the race. Caden, that uh, course and finish there looked perfectly suited to you and the team backed you all the way in. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think the finish was hard enough for me. Yeah, it really suited me. It was hard enough to drop some of the other, the other fast guys, and yeah, in the end, happy to get the win. Uh, can you just talk us through that final two kilometres there, um, going up that uh, climb and into the finish? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the boys, uh, we all got together uh, pretty late, actually, maybe maybe three kilometres to go, just uh, just coming down the hill before the runabout. Uh, it was pretty messy, and in the crosswinds, we lined up, and the, we put it in the gutter uh, on, the, on the head of the peloton. And coming into the climb, EF took over and set a really hard pace up the top. And then uh, Hofflin let uh, Tom Scully go off the front, uh, forcing me to chase, so I have to close the gap from the kilometre banner uh, to probably 300 metres to go, where I, where I uh, had a run at him and took the barrier on the right and, yeah, let out the sprint. So how many efforts did you do then? It sounds like you did about four or five from the sound of things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, many accelerations. I wasn't sure if I'd uh, have the legs to get over, but everyone was hurting and, and the finish was a more or less a cross headwind, so... Me uh, taking the barrier, everyone had come over in the wind, so it would have been really hard to come across. Three sprints, um, two wins and a second. Um, you must be fairly happy with your output this week? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the guys guys are perfect, keeping me fresh or, uh, in every stage and delivering me to the finish as, as, uh, as smooth as possible for me. So I think the results the results is pretty good for the week and uh, been on the podium of, yeah, almost every sprint, well, every stage. It's uh, been a successful week for the team. Yeah, does the team look well? Obviously, would have liked Simon or maybe Damo to win the overall, but do you feel like you've taken 
something away, one and two today. Your results, as you say. How does the team walk away from the week, do you think? I think it's a su- successful week. I mean, everyone's happy. Uh, in the in mountains, it's, it's super hard to race against the domestic guys uh, in, in January, you know, so it's uh, still early in the season. and yeah, It would have been nice, but uh, I think we... we did the did the best week we could and and the results are still still really good so stage three and you lost the jersey and you knew what you had to do but you you doubted whether you could you're pretty cooked after stage three how have you how do you feel how have you done this five days in a row um yeah stage three was a pretty low point in the tour uh, and i honestly didn't know how i'd back up but uh i i just ate a lot slept well and i woke up the next morning and felt surprisingly good actually so um was able to just keep keep finding myself in the moves and, and it all worked out. You've been around for a while, but what does it mean to walk away with green at the Hellsun Tour? Um, it's it's pretty cool. I won this before a few years ago and the results aren't on pro cycling stats. I don't think they had the jersey on there. So this will be good because I have it on the pro cycling stats now. Um, so it actually, officially I won it this time, which, so it means a bit more. It's like it's not <laughs> on there, it didn't happen. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Um, and what was the tactic today, obviously? That hill's deceptively hard, but... Um, yeah, well, we knew like if Caden won the stage and I had no points, which is quite a possibility, um, then he would win the jersey. So I had to get out out the front and take some points just to make sure. Um, I, I took that first sprint and then after that ACJ was like the defensive move would just be like go back, hopefully they keep the points and if, if it does come back before that second sprint, I can then just try and roll a second or third. So we took the um, safe option and I returned to the peloton to to um, defend the jersey from from behind and it well worked out. Um, and I had a crack at the finish too, but my legs were, were pretty dead by then. Is, <laughs> it, is there added satisfaction for you personally after what happened on stage three? It's a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, sometimes when you get in the break the first two, three days, everyone kind of like gives up and, and it's a lot less stressful, uh, but it's a lot uh, less satisfying than if you've had to battle all the way through to the finish. And so I'm really, I was really relieved after the first sprint and then after the second sprint when it's sewn up, it did feel, it, it was a really good feeling. Uh, Jay, congratulations, mate. How does it feel? Yeah, yeah, pretty ecstatic uh, to get the win today. Yeah, super, <laughs> it's just thrilling, man, yeah. Froome, Wiggins, O'Grady, look goes on. Hindley, does it feel a bit strange? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty nice to get my name in uh, in that honour roll and also to get in the, uh, the Australian history, you know. it's Yeah, it's, this race goes back a, a long time and there's been some big names and a lot of great riders have ridden this race and, yeah, to, to etch my name onto that trophy, uh, it's pretty unreal, yeah. It's a pretty regulation sprint stage today. Were you still nervous in the bunch there to get it all done? Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very nervous. But I mean, I, yeah, I had uh, faith, every faith in my in my guys, and yeah, they rode awesome all day and controlled the race. And yeah, as as did the rest of the week, you know, they've they've just been phenomenal. So I can't thank the team enough. Is there a sense of relief there as you cross the line? Ah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been like a pretty big uh, Aussie, Aussie summer of racing, uh, with a few ups and downs. But yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to finish it off this way and get the ball rolling before I head back over to Europe. Uh, quite a young, te- very young team, really, for this Australian summer. Um, it's come good this week. Wh- what have you learnt, and what will you take from this going into this European? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We had like. Uh, 
a super young team, like you said, and in Tour Down Under we had, uh, yeah, we made like a few errors and we had some good rides as well. And then I think coming here we could really put the puzzle together and uh, yeah, the guys rode really well and yeah, set me up perfectly every day. So yeah, it was unreal. <laughs> You said it was the biggest win, I think, when you crossed the line. Biggest win of your career. Can you elaborate on that a little bit about where you see it? Yeah, like I said, it, it's just such a rich history with this uh, with this race, you know. And yeah, it, it's just uh, I don't know, man. I can't really put it into words, you know. It's just get my arms in the air twice this week, and then again in the yellow jersey. It's such a nice feeling. Yeah, it must be a really satisfying way to win it because, as you say, you won the two mountain stages as well, so it wasn't like you won it on time. You won it legitimately. You were the strongest rider in the race. Yeah, yeah, but also, you know, Seb and uh, Damien, they were really uh, classy riders this week. Yeah, hats off to Seb. Like, he really, uh, really made me work hard for it. Yes. Yeah, I hope, uh, I hope this opens up a few doors for him. Like it did for me the, the previous uh, two times that I did the race. So, so where's the party tonight then? <laughs> <laughs> hey mate, you're telling me. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be small. I'll put it like that. <laughs> What's next for you, Joe? What races are you up to next? So I head back over to Europe and then back to UAE for uh, the Abu Dhabi tour. So I, yeah, we should be riding for Wilco Kelderman there and look forward to helping him out as best as I can and hopefully the form's still good and I can do a, do a good job, you know. Do you ever get any more opportunities for yourself later in the year? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Probably uh, with a few of the smaller World Tour races and HC races, but yeah, like the team uh, has a lot of faith in me and coming here and coming for, for Down Under, they also had expectation and wanted me to perform and it didn't quite work out and then glad I could pull it off for the team. Um, where do you still need to develop? I mean, Luke Roberts mentioned that you still have a few little spots where you still need to develop a bit. Um, you've obviously gone a long way to showing that you've got the potential here. Um, what, where do you still need to work on? Yeah, I've always said like my time trial ability is a bit lacking. Uh, so fortunately there wasn't a TT in this edition of the Sun Tour. But uh, yeah, there's always room for improvement and yeah, I'd bits and pieces you know <laughs> uh, I can't put it like specific I can't put it specifically into words but yeah I, I think like my time trolling definitely needs improving and uh, also just coming into a race as like the designated leader it's you know it's a lot of uh, a lot of added pressure but yeah like I said it's also a really nice opportunity for a young guy like me to to come into a race like this or a race like down under and be the designated leader which yeah it speaks volumes for the team having that faith in me. Included for your listening pleasure are two additional chats. First with Dave Sanders, who was was doing the DS role for uh, St George Continental at the Herald Sun Tour. Had a good chat with him about future GC contenders, in particular Sebastian Berwick and Jai Hindley. And we also talked with Christopher Miller of Nero Continental about their team's first emergence onto the Jacob Harold Sun Tour. So here with Dave Sanders of the uh, St George Continental team. Um, Dave, um, Seb was talking about your influence on him um, on that final climb. You're getting him G'd up for the climb. You're driving the course with him. You're talking through. It's great performance from Seb Berwick there on that on that climb yesterday. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, 
I just uh, found the positives for him, um, race and world tour, but what the main things I said was to, in a 5% climb, he was just another good rider, but once you go up around 10%, he's three or four kilos lighter than those guys. I mean, they're great uh, climbers, uh, Jai and, um, and Howden, but just get through his head that he maybe have some advantage being lighter. If he had anything left... Uh, and had a bit of punch just to be a passenger till you got there and put the cards on the table and and it's important to know that last zigzag climbs where it got steep and where it was uh, you know the inside of the corners were steep the outside a lot flatter and just to give him confidence and say well because kids often get intimidated by the by the world tour teams so they should be but if you've got a physiology you might as well use it You've seen a lot of rides um, throughout your career. Um, what, are, what are we looking at in terms of uh, Seb Berwick's talent? Seb still uh, has time to and needs to mature. You put him up a, a wall like that and a straight climb, his physiology is fantastic. But as anyone in the industry knows, you need a lot more in your toolkit to survive the big bunches, the, the cut and thrust of World Tour, uh, you know, crosswinds and bunch positioning and everything else. But his his whole goal in life is to achieve that, and I, I believe he can do that. You know, there's teams interested in him, and he, he still needs at least another year of development before he t- makes the big jump, in my opinion. But um, I believe that he has a place uh, in the big league, and I really sincerely hope he gets there. It appeared to be all in for St George with Seb Berwick this week. It looked um, you weren't going in the breaks, you weren't attacking too much. It was um, very much a confidence that you had in Seb's uh, performance? Oh, for sure. We uh, we uh, had an excellent young sprinter, Craig Wiggins, but it, it just wasn't a race for him. It's you know it's, It was a climber's race. So the guys, we, we got some decent, really good level Conti riders there, um, particularly uh, uh, Cabernet, who's been around a lot of Asian races, European races, knew how to pilot him through the bunch, knew how to look after him. Uh, so he never hit the wind, and he was all looked after, and, and um, that that was 100% was the responsibility because we believed we had a, a weapon we could fire when the time came. 100% believed it. You've also had a lot of time uh, with Jai Henley um, in the Mitchell and Scott development team back in 2017, I think. Yeah, a great young fella, Jai, and it's really good to uh, to see him get this this victory if he gets it you know, it'd be something horrible to go wrong for him not to get it he's a f- fantastic young fella still developing this is a really good uh palmier to have on his record um really really pleased for him personally yeah do you think he's really s- stepped up because i mean those first two years world tour he's described them as being quite difficult and finding your feet on that but uh, i think he got second into a poll last year and he's you know looking like he can be one of those sort of gc leader types it takes time people forget and um Simon Guerin said to me once that he was 30 years of age before he started winning big races. And that's what you, you know, you can't judge things off, off uh, you know, uh, Michael Matthews. He was straight out of 23s and he's on the podium in the Worlds in two years. That doesn't happen normally. It takes time and, and you've got to do their apprenticeship in the big league and develop. And, and Jai certainly has the goods to, to be a GC rider. There's no question about that. But it just takes time and development and... You know, they're still only young and, and he'll get there. He's got a lot of class and this will help his confidence and his team's confidence in him and help him make that step. Thanks for your time, David. No worries. Thank you. OK, here with Chris Miller of uh, Nero Continental. Uh, Chris, uh, how has the first race gone? First, uh, Jaco Herald's Sunter for you guys. 
Yeah, look, obviously coming into this, we we didn't really know what to expect, um, but we kind of set ourselves some pretty achievable goals, which is to try and be as relevant as possible. And look, in the background, we kind of knew Jay really had the, the, the power, the watts to, to be somewhat competitive, but we really had to rally around him. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of feel like we, we've done that. We've we've tried to be as aggressive and on show as, as possible. And to be honest with you, mate, it's been one of the best experiences of my life. Like it's just been so much fun. Been super proud of the the guys on the road and and off the road. It it takes yeah, it takes a cast of thousands to get this going. Um and yeah, really really happy with it. I mean, coming into the race, you mentioned that you knew Joe was going well, um, but nonetheless, you put a lot of confidence in him. You know, not going in the break a few of those days um, just so you could swell around him and get him to that um, all important stage of the mountain where he could show his stuff. Yeah, I mean, we only missed the break really yesterday, but um, that was a lot due to the fact we had the five guys, so we knew we had to sort of be really around him today. But look, it hasn't it hasn't felt as much of a all about Jay type thing. It's it's all all been a full collective experience. We were talking about that last night. Uh, like, if Jay had climbed to fifteenth overall last night, it, it's it's the team getting up there. So. You know that's that's how we try and approach these these races, and that's really the way we hope to approach the rest of the year. Yeah, I was I was reflecting on it um, earlier in the race um, yesterday um, that no no team's really got its ass handed to it this year, and you know you guys are the new guys up, so it could have been you, but you've really come in, and you seem like almost well adjusted to this level um, immediately. If that's if that's um, a thing that's possible, immediate adap- adaption. Yeah, I don't know how to answer that. Obviously, we've had a little bit of experience abroad, but again, this has been a very different experience. So I suppose, you know, really what you're doing is you're relying on the individuals in the team to just sort of come together and we try and set ourselves goals and targets every day and we ride for each other and a lot more than that, there's there's not a lot more to it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just how fast you can ride your bike for how long, so it's not much more to, to work out. And uh, how's the experience of it been um, from you know logistics perspective? I mean, obviously, long transfers and stuff like that are a bit foreign from uh, NRS racing. Obviously, you've done some Asian racing, so you got a bit of a taste of that. But it's yeah, it's a bit of a palaver, the whole thing uh, of the tour. Yeah, it's a different animal, absolutely. Uh, we've learnt a lot. We've learned a lot about what we can do. It's learned a lot about how to make your money count in certain areas. You can waste lots of money doing things like this on things that don't really matter. Uh, and there's other things that are big bang for your buck. So, you know, there's there's learnings there for us. Uh, I don't think we'll be hiring the helicopter like Mitchelton Scott did today to transfer the guys. Uh, but, you know, we, we kind of make do with what we've got. Um, and again, you're relying on someone like uh, we've got Luke to, to really keep us moving around the place. And yeah, there's learnings. There's always learnings. Okay, cheers, Chris. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Amy. And on to the Melbourne to Warrnambool, the first National Road Series race of the 2020 season. Hopefully by this stage you're not as tired as my voice uh, go on as I am about editing my voice. So <laughs> hopefully there's a bit of energy left to go through the Melbourne to Warrnambool. But we'll talk through a quick wrap of the race and then talk to the protagonists during the race. So the top four place getters, essentially. Okay, basically the race started from Avalon Airport in sort of spitting rain conditions, half rain, half mild um, sort of weather. And it was a fairly consistent wind from the south-southwest during the day, which was comes into play a bit later in the race. 
Uh, there are a number of moves off the front at the start, but there was never really too much of a consensus amongst the peloton about which what would be let go. So it was about 60 kilometres before the first move of the day really got itself established, and it was uh, Aidan Buttigieg from Cycle House, uh, joined by Jason Thomason, Butterfield's Insurance Advisor Net, uh, Rowan Diva of Oliver's Real Food Racing and Jack Aitken of Racing as an individual who formed the first real move. Uh, that group of four was bridged to by a group of five, including Raphael Freinstein, uh, informed him Insight Make, Ben Metcalf of Team Bridge Lane, Ryan Thomas of ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast, and Alex Lack of GPM Stultz. Also Tom Bolton and of Oliver's Real Food and Matt Ross of Cycle House in there as well. With Freinstein in the front group, that was never going to be a very good move for the uh, other major teams to let go. And uh, Neo Continental actually did quite a lot of work after mo- missing that move and they put a few riders on the front of the of the peloton to, to bring the breakaway back into the fold. At about the 130 kilometre mark, the race was back together again, 130 of the 267 kilometre distance and through that second feed there it looked as though maybe the elastic was about to snap and riders were about to go up the road and so it proved uh, with the first major split of the day with 17 riders going clear as the race entered the kind of tough newish middle section that they have along that course there's a few punchy climbs in there and then it goes on to a gravel section with about 210 k's of racing in the legs and then it's um, just about 60 k's on to Warnable. So it's looking like that section is going to be a decisive one for, certainly it was in this in this race, and it will be a few, one for to watch out for in future races to come. That leading group included a number of the main contenders, and then a further group of 10 um, jumped across to that group of 17, forming a group of 27 elite riders at the front of the race. At that point... It was a bit too big to sustain as as that sort of size group and a further attack by Ben Perry, the uh, Israel startup nation rider, the only World Tour rider there, present in, present at the race. Uh, he f- uh, attacked at one of the climbs and formed it down to just an elite group of five at the front there with uh, Michael Freeberg of ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast, uh, Mark O'Brien of Informed Team Insight Make, Brendan, Brendan Johnston of... Uh, CCS Canberra, Perry himself, and Sam Jenner of Team Bridgeline. Quintet quickly pushed their advantage out to about 2 minutes and 20 seconds with 70 kilometres left to race. And it, it was just before that that um, there was a trio of riders chasing over to them with two Bridge Lane riders in there in Ben Hill and Aidan Toovey jumping out of the peloton, along with Liam White of Oliver's Real Food Racing uh, joining the pair of Bridge Lane riders there. Uh, the trio actually worked quite well together and they made significant inroads into that leading five advantage and got to within a minute of a minute and 10 seconds of them, probably their best point with about 20Ks to go. Uh, White eventually dropped off that pace of the trio and it was just left to the five riders with the bridge lane um, duo in pursuit. The peloton by this stage was well out of contention. They were four minutes down at, at this stage and didn't really have the organisation to get back into the race. The presence of the chasers kind of ensured in, cooperation amongst the leaders until the final kilometres and it was only with 8Ks left that attacks really started with Freeberg launching the first assault going up a hill and immediately dropping Sam Jenner from that front move. O'Brien was incredibly... Uh, Marco did a great job uh, 
uh, launching a bunch of attacks and he actually looked very much the strongest going into those final few kilometres and uh, one, one of his attacks in particular with two kilometres left in the race looked as though that really might be the race winning move until uh, Brendan Johnston just managed to get over to him and then kind of sat on the wheel and forced, um, you know, Marco to make the decision of whether to, you know, ride for second or uh, give himself a, a shot later on the race. Um, Freeberg and Perry managed to struggle back on to the back of um, that attack, and it all came down to the spinal, final sprint between the four of them. Uh, Johnston hit out really strongly along the barricades and grounded his way up that hill to uh, final hill on the course uh, to take the win, with, with uh, Freeberg having to settle for second and O'Brien actually managing to out-sprint somebody, which is a probably a first for Marco, and he uh, came in third with uh, Ben Perry in fourth there. First of all, we'll go we'll go by we'll go by finishing order with Brendan Johnston in first, Michael Freeberg in second, Marco Bryan in third, Ben Perry in fourth. Yeah, I mean, I feel good, pretty, feel pretty, um, pretty wrecked now. It's always hard to finish with a sprint after, yeah, like 270k sort of um, in the wind and the rain and stuff, so... Um, but you know the hard day suited me today, and um, yeah, it paid off. How many, how many times have you attempted it? Um, probably five or six. Yeah, I did it when I was a lot younger, and uh, then a few years off, and came back last year and um, got a podium, and then yeah, to sort of get the win this year, I'm ecstatic. Yeah, and um, what were sort of the, the tactics throughout the day? Did you plan a early? Oh, it sort of had to kind of follow a lot. Um, I had some good teammates that were helping me early on, and that which is the hardest part of the race for me to kind of find the right move and, and, and make it make stick and yeah we just ended up nailing it. Yeah, obviously some quality towards the end with Ben in the last Did you think you were get up in the bus oh, I never sort of knew knew about Ben so I wasn't sure how he sprinted. I knew Freeberg and I probably sprint similar after a big day. Um, Marco obviously isn't known for his sprinting, he's more of a climbing specialist so I kind of wasn't against it coming down to the sprint so that's why I didn't really launch anything in the last 5k so um, but I certainly wasn't wasn't too overly confident going into the sprint. Yeah, and early on you had the, the big group. How did it sort of help uh, sort of later in the race in terms of having uh, to conserve energy and, and, and really to be able to pick your attacks? Yeah, it was, it was really good with the teammates to kind of bridge gaps and, and help us sort of close anything down that was dangerous. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's so valuable to have that earlier in the race because it's sort of the first stage of the race, first sort of phase, and then you know later in the race is when it starts again. So. sort of see he's up progressing from here? Uh, yeah, I do a lot of mountain biking, so I'll probably, um, yeah, I've got a race down here next weekend, and um, yeah, we'll do some, we do some NRS with, with the CCS squad, they're really supportive, um, but obviously, yeah, uh, with Giant Bikes for the, the mountain biking, and they let me come and do some um, some road racing as well, but I mean, I've been at it for a long time, and had, had a good summer of nationals and stuff, so um, yeah, it's just sort of really good to top it off with the warning. Yeah, um, do, do the two um, disciplines sort of uh, complement each other, and, and really allow you to sort of shine in both? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I've been at it for many, many years. Um, so I think just that training for so long and, um, you know, miles on the legs is, is kind of what helps me. And, and I, yeah, I've, you know, come to, like, pick the race out pretty well and, and tactically kind of ride them pretty well. You know, last year was, I was in the, the winning break as well. So, um, yeah, I've got a bit of experience, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a big day and... Having won it now, I don't know that I could do much of it. I like, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to come back, yeah, but um, see how we go. Here with Michael Freeberg of uh, ARA Pro Racing Sunshine Coast. Uh, Michael, you made it to that critical move. Um, can you tell us what happened from there? Yeah, it was a um, pretty difficult day out. 
Um, the brake never really got much time out there. Um, but about uh, 150k to go, made that uh, first big move. And then um, we, it kept splitting after that. And um, there was five of us from about 95k to go. And um, that was the pretty serious move of the day. There were some good boys that were in that. And then, um, yeah, just blew to bits in that last 5Ks and uh, was the second on line. Was there any worry about that uh, group of three coming from behind? Yeah, there was a little bit of worry about that. I mean, um, it had two bridge lane in it, so it um, allowed um, Sam Jenner to, to sit on and make things a bit more challenging for us in the last last 50. We, we pushed through and then um, a few moves in the last 8K unloaded him and um, yeah, it was just about to the line. It looks like um, you were being asked for a lot of the work there, closing down those moves in the final few kilometres there. Yeah, I went into the race as a bit of a favourite, so um, a lot put on me to, to uh, race the line and, and close a lot of moves, um, and that sort of took its toll towards the end. Um, Johnson was great today, and um, yeah, he deserved the win. And this sprint to the line there, you're just, you know, just grovelling to the finish, giving everything you can at the end? Took a bit of time in the jump, and I, I probably left it maybe one or two seconds too late, and um, he got in front and got a clean run, and um, yeah. There wasn't much left in the tank. Okay, thanks for your time, Michael. Thanks. Yeah, but you uh, you were the informed guy in the break. Um, did that give you a bit of uh, a bit of pressure on you, knowing how many class form guys we've got behind you? Yeah, we had so many guys in the break behind. So then uh, I knew that if it came back, it wasn't the end of the world. So I wasn't uh, that stressed about um, whether we stayed away or not. I was feeling really good still. So and the team were happy to back me in. I said last night in a team meeting that uh, this is one the big one that I want to win. Um, it's pretty much nationals, Grafton, Warney. They're the three races in the year I actually. Uh, put some emphasis on and really want to get a result so I was really keen today the team gave me the opportunity to go for myself and then once we had the uh, two bridge lanes trying to come across there wasn't an option to wait anyway so we just had to keep it going and I knew I'd had uh, work cut out trying to go up again I know how good Trek he is like I've raced him for years and I think he's underrated um, in this sort of stuff like he's proven and uh, nationals as well and then Freeb's obviously national champ last year so um, I knew it was going to be difficult but I was feeling very very good in that last uh, part still feeling really fresh and thought if I can time my attack right I might still be at a show. You, see, oh, you, you tried a few different attacks there at the end uh, looks like maybe that one with like 2k to go might might have had some legs to go to the finish. Yeah I thought that was it when I got the gap there I thought I was on um, I just had to keep the pressure on and keep pushing but unfortunately once Trekkie got back up to me at a k or so to go uh, he wasn't keen to come straight through because he, he knows quick and everyone knows they're quicker than me so then uh, I was unfortunately in a place where I could ride it and get second or give uh, let Freebs and Ben get back on and then uh, try my luck again which I did and then I thought I might have the gap again at the end there if everyone hesitated but uh, unfortunately Ben uh, tried to jump across and which the other boys got on his wheel and back up to me and then yeah, the riding was on the wall once we lined up for the sprint at the end it wasn't going to be my day but had to go out trying and uh, Happy enough, but uh, also pretty peeved because I really wanted to tick off a win here. After I think it was ten years ago, I was second here, so uh, it's a bit annoying. And uh, I mean, you you retired how many years ago now, Mark? <laughs> I'll never stop, mate. I just uh, yeah, a couple of years ago I said that I'll go into work more, in which I've done. So um, yeah, basically work full time, coach on the side, and then uh, ride because I love it and I always loved it. So I won't be stopping anytime soon. And if I can keep riding at a reasonable level and uh, doing my normal life stuff as well, then I'm then I'll be a happy man. Reasonable, thanks, Mark. Here with Ben Perry of Israel Startup Nation. Um, ben, uh, your first Melbourne to Warnable. How was the experience? Oh, I was good. I uh, 
it was hard racing as an individual. I kind of had to hedge my bets and try and make sure I was in all the right moves and be in the right place at the right time because it's kind of if I missed a move, there was no one bringing it back but me. So I uh, there was a group of 17, and then I got across to the group of 10. And then uh, once we hit like the first climb, once we were like big group, people were kind of not working, so I just went as hard as I could and made that like a sort of sort of a final group of five. And then uh, we worked well for a while. There was a bit of fear with a couple bridge lane guys coming. In the end, I kind of messed up the sprint. We whittled down to four and uh, just kind of messed up the finish. But all in all, my first Melbourne Warnable, a lot of headwind, a lot of rain. Felt good through it, so can't be too disappointed. Every, everything is cracked up to be or um, just at this stage a bit too hard and uh, a bit too tired to think about it? No, it was an amazing race. Like It was unreal. Like Going on the Great Ocean Road for the first time, being here for the first time, it was... Uh, it was an excellent race. Like I really, really enjoyed it. And racing against your new Aussie mate, uh, Mark O'Brien. Yeah, he's a little uh, pissed off at me, I think, in the finish there. He's like, why did you chase me back? But we kind of, all bets are off when it's 500 meters to go at the finish of Warnable. And it was kind of funny. Uh, there was times where Freeberg and I, like, I was I was looking at Freeberg for the sprint. I think he was looking at me. And there was one time where we let a gap go, and I just went, Freeberg. And he's like, oh, and he just went and closed it. And then he did it to me again. And yeah. I don't know, like those guys just had no legs in the sprint. The guys kicked with like what I thought was a long way to go. I was in the front, I was hoping to get in the wheel, but then um, both, like all three of those guys were way too strong for me. So live and learn. Okay, thanks for your time, Ben. Thank you. The women's race of the Melbourne Warnable ended up with Matilda Reynolds of Specialised Women's Racing taking the win over Taryn Heather, also of Specialised Women's Racing. It looked like it was going to be a clean sweep of the podium for the Specialised team, but unfortunately um, Kate Perry was relegated for drafting on a vehicle during the race with Kirsty Deacon of Varus Racing finishing in third position. We had a chat with Matilda Reynolds after the race. I find it hard to cover women's racing in the Melbourne Warnable when it's a race within the race because, yeah, so often it's about surviving in the men's peloton, which isn't really um, the normal action of a race anyway. Uh, we'll let uh, Matilda talk through it and, yeah, it was quite an incredible ride from her, as you will hear. Like I've won a race, uh, but uh, yeah, just re- so relieved to finish the bike, the su- that length. So yeah, is it's, it's just pure relief. Yeah, have you done a water before? Abs- no, I haven't. And right now, it's going to take me a bit to re-sign. Um, it was a really hard day, but it's just it's such a great day. There was no pressure for us. Um, I was just able to go out there and just ride my bike all day. And um, yeah, it's the longest I've ever ridden. And I was really nervous about the crosswinds and the hills and the bunches. But yeah, it was a really safe bunch. And I think the guys rode amazing and um, kept it really together. And yeah, just pure relief to be finished. Yeah, what does it do for your confidence getting away from the event? Uh, I think um, I think just my strength and my ability to hang in there. And I think just mentally, you keep building these blocks of mental confidence. So many times I was either off the back or I wanted to stop I wanted to it was too hard I just wanted the pain to stop and and you push through that and I think that's just another mental block that you can use then um, utilize that for another race in the future yeah what, what sort of things were you thinking about to try and take your mind off of the pain and the, and the 
I honestly, I just didn't want to ride that race by myself. So um, I just wanted to have friends and the pace that they are holding, I knew I wouldn't be able to hold that by myself. So I just knew this is going to be a long day if you get dropped. So just really tried to focus on the wheel in front of me. Um, just tried to ride good position and just really tried to cut the race down into little parts. So yeah, just um, ticking boxes, I guess, the whole day and not try to think that it was 267, 270K, yeah. Um, what was the longest ride before this? Uh, I've done 200k before at a very leisurely pace with lots of stops, coffees. Um, so yeah, I've never won race that long um, and certainly never that far. And uh, yeah, I ran out of water part way through. And so yeah, it was, just, it was really difficult to feed just because the pace was on the whole time. But yeah, I just had to push through and just know that I kept breaking it out down and just knowing and trying to relate that to training rides I'd done. You know, a couple laps of Albert Park, that's all you got left and just trying to get to the finish like that. Riding with the men, were they, were they really supportive of you and sort of helping you get to the I got a few compliments. Um, I think, which is what you what you want though, is for them to treat you just like any any other bike rider, which is what they did. You know, they bumped me around a bit and pushed me up, and and but yeah, I think you, you get a little bit of respect from them out there. And um, I think you know the men the men's racing is great here. They they have a huge amount of respect for one another, and I think everyone's just trying to finish the bike race the best they can and not chop anyone out or anything like that so yeah they they, they did look after me but I certainly had to work for it. Yeah, do you feel you're going to um, pass on to other women it is possible? Absolutely yeah. it's certainly possible and there's no pressure you just gotta it's just a it's just for us it's a bike ride and uh and it's a great learning curve for women and and they should be so encouraged and just really thankful to the organisers and um, you know Cycling Victoria they really looked after us and really encouraging of women's racing and just made it as um, easy as possible for us to get involved in today and just really grateful to have that opportunity. Yeah, thanks. thanks. That wrapped up a long six weeks on the road for me uh, so it was quite an ordeal unfortunately getting podcast to air so unfortunately that was the reason for the time delay so apologies for that also apologies for the long length of the podcast if you've made it through to the end here you've either fallen asleep to the end of it and managed to wake up for my final spiel here or you've been a very very dedicated listener in both cases I say thank you. The Australian Cycling Insider webpage is up for your perusal at the moment we're going to be adding in some interesting content I hope you'll well, hopefully you find it interesting. Over the next few months, uh, we're going to have some diaries with riders heading overseas to Europe. We're going to be talking to a number of different teams uh, to talk about their NRS seasons and potentially their Asian Tour seasons. And it's going to be some very interesting stuff. So make sure you stay in tune with the podcast and the Australian Cycling Insider website. Okay, we'll see you around soon. Bye. Bye.